0: Fellas, welcome to another episode of Modern Masculinity. I mentioned that all of these episodes are my favorite. Today is particularly going to be, it's going to be particularly exciting. And it's because it's with Scott Groves. All these people are my favorite people, but I'm trying to bring people on who I look to and I say, but I I want some of what he has. And what Scott has is an absolute relentless commitment to being himself. He does not give a shit what you think about what he has to say. He's going to say what he wants to say because he believes in it. And he's only going to say things that he actually believes. And that's what I love about Scott is that he's authentic, he's real, and you know that he's going to give it to you straight. And I think that we need more of those men in this world and those who can also do it with a, an awareness and a compassion that a lot of people don't have, right? Of course, there are people who can yell at you and tell it straight and be blunt and honest, but can they do it with a heart? Can they do it with real caring, not because they want to look good or they want to, you know, it's not about them. What I love about Scott is he actually cares about people. He cares about the people in his family. He cares about his wife. He cares about his kids. He cares about the people that work for him. He cares about his audience. He's the, He's the, he got his own podcast. He, he cares, and you can see that, and you can sense it, and you can feel it. And that's one of the reasons that I love Scott. And we kind of go all over the board here on this conversation, but I think it was a necessary one, and one that I, I know that you're going to get about, and one that I know you're going to get a lot of value out of. And so with that, enough of me. This is Scott. Groves. Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Mr. Scott Groves, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks
1: for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. It's been much too long since you and I had the opportunity to catch up.
0: The last time we chatted, and we were talking about this before we hit record, is you were like like a loan officer, and you were just like a loan officer, and you were making a bunch of money selling loans. And then since then, you've had this, maybe since COVID, you had this evolution, and now you're... You're that too, but you've also evolved into something else, which is cool because I think it's a platform that we all knew Scott had. It's just now you've gotten the chance to actually talk about the shit that you were not talking about on recording. But I want to get into that and I want to talk a little bit about some of the themes that are on your show and stuff like that. But what are you challenged with right now? What are you struggling? What are some things that that are happening for you right now when it comes to dad or husband or guy or business owner, any of that stuff?
1: Yeah. Great question, by the way. And thanks for having me on. I think the thing that I'm struggling with right now is like, how authentic can I be without totally alienating getting canceled, my book of business <laughs> or alienating my client base in Los Angeles, California? Because my wife and I are splitting time between Los Angeles and where we currently have our kids in like a hybrid school model up here in Henderson, Nevada, which is cool. It's, uh, it's through a, A group you're familiar with, Acton Academy, A-C-T-O-N, not to be confused with acting. My kids are not actors. They are in Acton Academy. And that really allows for them to have this hybrid homeschool model where they're in school eight to three whenever I want them to be, or they're in a curriculum and they have guides. When we need to be back in LA for a month or two at a time, it's no big deal. They've got their iPad. They know where to work through their curriculum. The challenge that I have is just basically not agreeing with how California handled the pandemic and how I think they really just crapped on civil rights, especially if you were in Southern California, specifically LA County. And so being authentic and voicing my opinions and my concerns, and I hate the term thought leader, but just being one of the people that has the guts to put out there what a lot of people are thinking and knowing that's going to alienate a large cross-section of my very liberal audience of customers, realtors, referral sources, it's a real dichotomy. Like I'm a pretty hardcore libertarian. I've voted libertarian in the last four presidential elections, but that libertarian capital L or lowercase L, whether you're talking about the party or the philosophy, kind of just gets lumped in with a bunch of like right-wing crazies. I know that it's cost me some referral sources. I'm sure it's cost me some business. And it's really walking that line of like, how can I still be, like you said, how can I still be that guy who does mortgages 40, 50, 60 hours a week, still coach loan officers, but also be like, Hey man, I should have the opportunity to be just as authentic as anybody else who wants to let their freak flag fly. Mine just flies and leans a little bit right instead of a little bit left. And I'm, it's a work in progress, right? It's been like a three year evolution of trying to find the voice in podcasting seeing what coaching clients are accepting of that, seeing what referral sources are accepting of that, losing some friendships, gaining some new, more powerful friendships. And it's a, it's just an interesting dichotomy.
0: Was there an evolution to that or were there moments or stages to where... Okay, first you started out and you're like, maybe I'll only talk about this. And then, all right, maybe we'll talk about that. How did that development of your voice evolve? Because I think that's a big problem that guys have is it's maybe easier or less headaches to just go along with stuff sometimes.
1: I would say it's come in ebbs and flows. So it was like, pre, we'll call it 2003, 2004, there just wasn't a whole lot of social media. There wasn't a whole lot of place to talk about this. And in a business setting, like you would never talk about those things you're supposed to talk about around the dinner table, right? Like money, religion and politics. And so it was like, it was just a non-issue prior to that. And then like everybody else who first discovers Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever the new hot social media is by the time this podcast comes out in two weeks or whatnot. By the time that happened, I think I went a little too hard in the paint and was having political arguments with people probably from 2004 to 2006. Then I was just like net neutral, right? For a lot of years. I had a business partner. He was very liberal. I was more right-leaning. We just agreed to let it all stay on the back burner and not bring it up. And so I was a wallflower as far as that kind of stuff went. But somewhere around three years ago, like when we decided to hit record on the podcast and I thought that the two weeks to flatten the curve turning into a never ending lockdown and just like trampling civil liberties for Californians. Once we hit record on the first podcast episode, I just decided like, you know, being authentic is more important. Thank God I'm in a place of like fiscal security where we have kept our expenses low and saved some money and the mortgage business is still coming in. Our coaching clients are very understanding of Scott's a great coach in this arena and what he believes personally, politically, what he puts out on there on the podcast, that's just who he is. And so I think there was a little bit of like gusto because of the financial security plus, Hey, if we're going to do a podcast, I have to be the most authentic version of myself. And frankly, we've interviewed enough people to piss off everybody, right? So it's like my far right wing friends can't believe that I sat down with a drag queen and talked about LGBTQRT plus rights. And then my left wing friends are just disgusted that I would interview a bunch of veterans about how Biden's handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal probably ranks up there in like the top 10 political blunders of all time. I guess I'm just creating equal opportunity haters across the board, but I think people that get to know me or know my message or know how much I care about any of the businesses we're involved in, like I think being a good person is shining through and still allowing us to be successful in our businesses while also being authentic, right? Cause I'm not trying to offend people. I'm not trying to be a shock jock. I'm just trying to like put information out there with the way that I see it and talk to me in a year on how the results are.
0: Well, it's interesting that podcasting is there because before podcasting, you would only have clips, or you'd have to. It was so short, right? But now you've got people going on Joe Rogan or in shows like yours, where they're sitting down for hours and really getting a chance to to flesh some of these things out, which I think just wasn't possible before. When you mentioned civil liberties, and I, we're both from L, or from the LA area, or that's where I grew up, and I moved to Orange County right before the pandemic and thought that I would be back moving, move back to LA in a couple of years. I would never move back to LA. It's no just, there's no shot. So in, you could riff off that too. Maybe if you can sprinkle in some context with maybe some things that might be holding men back from their highest self. or their highest success or whatever it is, what are some things that piss you off? Since
1: the day I got out of the army, I've always worked in a commission only job. I want commission-only jobs right in there with people who are self-employed because it's basically the same thing, right? Like you eat what you kill, you either go out there and you make thing happen and you produce value for your company or the company you work for and you only get rewarded if you produce. And I remember I just, I, one of my, one of my good friends was just completely incested and like disgusted and got so mad at me because we were having the minimum wage debate and she's like, you just don't know what it's like. I'm like, Hey, do you know that technically I'm a minimum wage employee? Like the mortgage company I work for has to pay me minimum wage so they don't get sued for fair wage and hour violation. So on my pay stub, whatever it is now in Pasadena, California, I'm like $12 an hour, $15 an hour. I only make more money. Once I produce value for the company, produce value for the consumer and create a loan or fund a loan, and then I get paid a commission on that funded loan. I'm like, so raising my hand, I am technically a minimum wage employee and minimum wage is just that it's minimum until you go and produce more value for society, for yourself, for your company, for a consumer, until you do that, you're not worth more than minimum wage. And so one of the things that pisses me off is, we can call it a lot of things. We can call it socialism, we can call it entitlement society, we can call it lazy, insert whatever generation or group you wanna vilify. But for me, having always worked in, hey, you gotta show up and produce or you just don't get paid, I can't imagine a job where I only get paid minimum wage or if somebody offered me a quarter of a million dollars or 400,000 or even a million dollar salary, I don't know if I would take it because that just doesn't inspire me. So one of the things that pisses me off is this idea that's been sold to several generations now of, I'll call them kids, but people my age and younger, where it's, hey, man, just go to college, get the four-year degree, go $100,000 into debt, go get your entry-level quasi-white-collar job that starts at $72,000 a year, and in 20 years – you'll be making a quarter of a million and you'll be rich. No, not if you spend the first 10 years of your career paying off your student loans because you're going to go buy a car, you're going to need to have a place to live. So now you got saddled with debt for 10 years trying to pay off the fancy college degree and you're always working for somebody else and you don't have a lot of job security because you don't have your own book of business or your own product or your own whatever. And then 15 years in, right as you think you've made it, Something crazy happens. I worked for Washington Mutual the first eight years of my career and thank God I was commissioned. Thank God I had a book of business and a skill set that transferred to other commissioned jobs because I knew middle managers that like thought they had made it. They were making a quarter of a million dollars a year. Wamu goes under, Chase Bank comes in and buys them and they're like, hey, yeah, we've really got duplication of efforts in this managerial department of marketing or whatever and you just don't have a job anymore. And oh, and by the way, 2008, worst time to try to find a job in banking, you're effectively unemployed and you're going to go work at Ikea for $45,000 a year for the rest of your life and just talk about the good old days of what could have been. And so one of the things that really pisses me off is this thing that's been sold to people just follow this path and everything will be taken care of and you'll be taken care of. And again, it doesn't matter whether those people are in the mindset of a $40,000 a year job or a $400,000 a year job. I'm more encouraged by the message that is going now where it's, hey, man, own your own sovereignty. Have your own company. Okay, if you are stuck working that kind of dead-end, white-collar, blue-collar job for $50,000 a year, put in the 10 hours after work. Instead of watching repeats of The Walking Dead, go build your own podcast. Go build your own YouTube channel. Use ChatGPT to come up with a product that doesn't even exist yet. And so I'm really fascinated by the new economy, the gig economy, the people have a side hustle. I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So I guess long-winded answer to what pisses me off is like this idea that there's a status quo that everybody should live by and that will take care of you.
0: Yeah. I, and I get triggered perhaps because of where we're at, but my son recently, he's, he's trying to put on his shoes and he goes, it's hard and at first I, was, I, I there was one time where I was emotionally short and I said life's fucking hard. And that was not helpful to the situation. <laughs> but that a concept I think has permeated and there weren't enough people to step in and go hard is good. Hard is okay. Like hard there is there's value and growth in hard. And I think a lot of even people my age have lost that. Because I was right in there with the participation trophy generation. It was like, and now they're all 35 and we're dealing with it. Yeah, it's brutal. And I think this is why, and
1: you can put in whatever your kind of alpha man person is, whether it's Jocko Willings or David Goggins or Joe Rogan or whatnot. I think that's why these people have seen, even Jordan Peterson, who's a scholar and an academic and he's cerebral, but he's got like this like manly man, I wear a suit, like I carry myself a certain way. I think there's a reason why these guys have shot into like stratospheric superstardom. It's because so many men are looking for somebody to tell them, no, man, go do the hard stuff. I was at Jocko Willink's immersion jujitsu camp, most best $2,500 I spent last year. You go a week in the woods, you do jujitsu three days or three times a day for eight days. It's brutally hard. And one of the things that he was talking about is like, hey, you guys are here on your vacation getting your ass kicked over and over again, four or five hours a day, which is physically taxing, mentally taxing, being away from your family is taxing. And he's like, this is what it's all about, man. When you make time to do the hard stuff and doing the hard stuff is just part of your normal kind of being and ethos permeates the rest of your life. And sure enough, at the lunch table in the kind of dining commissary area, you'd be talking to somebody and like this guy over here, yeah, he's a plumber, But he's the best plumber in central Maine who's building out his workforce and is getting an SBA loan to buy two more trucks so he can employ two more journeyman plumbers and build his empire. And this guy over here, yeah, he was working as a chef at Applebee's or whatever and got up to 300 pounds. But then he found like this discipline of doing the hard stuff. Now he's shredded six-pack abs and he owns a side hustle where they do delivery food for like Bodybuilders and stuff. And so it's, it was just super motivating to be around all these other alpha men and alpha women. About a fourth of the camp was women, which I was surprised, who are just there to do the hard stuff. And then you could see how that permeates the rest of their life of trying to be a better father, trying to be a better mother, trying to be a better business owner. And that message, I think, is so lost on a majority of society that I think this is why David Goggins, who self-described as just some moron who barely made it through high school, he sold like 18 million copies of his books because people want to be inspired to do the hard stuff and do the work that nobody else is forcing them to do. I, I I think the pendulum swung a little too far one way or a lot too far one way, and I think it's starting to swing back the other way And what you're doing with helping people find their voice on podcasts, that's not a small part of it. That's a big part of, I think, what's going right in society because I don't have to tune into ABC, NBC, CNN, or MSNBC. I can go find Hector. I can go find Joe Rogan. I can go find other voices that are, like, inspiring to me. And I just – I love that shit. Like, I'm – a contrarian by nature, which people take as like negativity, but I'm actually very bullish and positive on the direction of society right now. Yeah. We're going to talk
0: about that. I want to get into some more of your, uh, your libertarian thoughts here, cause I know you're not shy about mm. it and uh, we're going to have some fun about that. We're going to, uh, so after the break, stick around for that. Before we do that though, Scott, what has been the, is there a A favorite conversation that you've had on the podcast or a favorite topic that you find comes up more often than maybe it should? Or is there a theme that comes up a lot that you think is relevant to guys and where they're at? Yeah, I
1: think a theme that keeps coming up and there's a tension here, right? Because this could be a really bad thing and this could be misplaced hubris. So there's a danger here. But I think there's also a good thing and there's a natural tension here. So I don't want to pretend like we have all the answers and man can think himself out of anything alone. But I think what keeps showing up is like there's a power in common sense and critical thinking and thinking things through with just other quote unquote normal men and women in long form conversation. And a lot of people are terming it like the death of the expert class and a death of do as I say, not as I do. And again, there's a tension here because if I walk in and have to have open heart surgery because one of my valves is clogged in my heart, I really want somebody who is an expert. I want somebody who went to six years of medical school and did their residency and did this and they have 20 years of expertise and I'm not going to tell them how to do that surgery. And same thing, if I'm going to build a building that's 37 feet tall or 37 stories tall, and there's certain metal girders and architecture and structural engineer plans. I'm not saying that Scott Groves or Hector can figure that out in a few YouTube videos. And, not a but, but and, I think we're realizing that, ooh, maybe some of these people that we put on a pedestal either in academia or the political world or somebody who like we're supposed to listen to just because they're famous, I think that's just ringing less and less true. And we're going to actually do a highlight reel from a podcast I did with my buddy, Cole Strange. Very smart guy. He's just a dipstick mortgage loan officer like me. But he's got a degree in international public policy and something else. He got his master's degree. He was going to go work for the FBI. Fell into mortgages, started making a lot of money and decided to stay in it. But the two of us at the very beginning of COVID were just talking through like, hey, this is all kind of weird. Are people dying with COVID or are they dying from COVID? Are we overreporting numbers because everybody's getting tested? What would the correlations be with the swine flu that came out of or the avian bird flu that came out of China or Japan? What would the correlations be if everybody was being tested and this was like front, front, like, front page news every day, all day. And we talked about a lot of stuff that was just like, hey, just two guys shooting the shit, applying some common sense and our very, very, very limited knowledge of vi- virology and international politics and math, just applying that to like some common sense topics. And it turns out two and a half years later, oh, Yeah, like now that people are admitting what actually went on, oh, yeah, maybe we overcounted this. Maybe there was way too many death certificates that should have been. They died with COVID, but they also had pancreatic cancer and high blood pressure and heart failure. And then by the time they got admitted to the hospital, they also had COVID. Sorry, now you're going to get a tag on your podcast. But just talking through common sense stuff and not always just assuming that the expert or the people with the right initials after their name are always right. I think that's the thing that keeps coming up on the podcast. And then all the way down to, like I mentioned the drag queen that we interviewed, "Ah, I don't let the organization of this LBG, LBGTQ community. I don't let them speak for me because like, I'm not defined by the fact that I happen to be a drag queen or happen to be gay. Like I'm me I'm not like a composite of this group. I don't want the experts speaking for me as who I am as a person. And so that's the thing that keeps coming up on the podcast is like individuality, common sense, usually trumps like the group think. So I, I think that's something that frequently comes up on the Edge podcast.
0: Hey guys, this podcast is brought to you by Amplify Media. We are a full service podcast. And video podcast production company. So if you have a message, if you want to start your own show, we can make podcasting easy for you. So if you want to get info on that, go to amplifymedia.com. All the info is in the show notes. And let's get back to the show. Scott. Scott. One thing that I really enjoy about you is that you don't just talk a lot. You're also a doer. So you're not just talking about this stuff. You move states. You don't just talk about these things, right? You invest into time, into your health and your fitness, and you're taking the time to spend time with your kids. You're not just talking out of your ass. And so I I preface that by saying a lot of what you're talking about on the show, you're also saying not to just spew shit out there. But to give people some direction or to give people like, hey, you can take control. What are some of those things that you think men specifically should start taking control back of? And this could be, I don't know, you could take it wherever you want, whether it's prepping or finances or I don't know, you can go wherever you want. But how do you see that playing out for people?
1: Yeah, I love that, man. And I think two words that come up when people ask questions along these lines, because I get this a fair amount. One is like congruency or alignment, for lack of a better term, and one is sovereignty. When I think about being in alignment or being incongruent with, hey, here's what I say, here's what I do, here's how I live, We all know the person on social media who it's just glamour shots all day long and filters and I'm amazing and I'm doing this. And then you get to know them and you're like, oh, your life is a wreck, right? Your adult kids don't talk to you. You're on your third divorce. You've got a thousand dollar a month cocaine habit. You're cheating on your spouse, whatever the case may be. And what's funny is where this comes up with me the most is my body is made for distance, not for speed. I can't run that fast. But if you were like, hey man, I need you to put 50 pounds on your back and go walk 20 miles, I'd be like, all right, that's gonna suck, but I could do it. So when I see a police officer or a law enforcement officer who's fat and who I could outrun, I'm like, that's just not acceptable. Sorry, I don't care if you have a problem. I don't care if you really like donuts. There should never be a law enforcement officer who I can outrun because to me, that's just not congruent with the physical demands of their job. And as a matter of fact, about three weeks ago, we were doing our year-end review with a bunch of our coaching clients and whatnot, and we were talking about how health and health and fitness is so important to having the physical and the mental clarity to be able to do the marathon, which is a year of business in the mortgage industry. And like I said, I'm still working 50 hours a week in mortgage and then 10 hours a week in coaching and then podcasting and trying to be – a dad. and I looked in the mirror that night when I took a shower, I was like, dude – I packed on some pounds in 2021 and 2022. Like I bought a a glucose monitor so I can monitor my blood sugar, got back to the intermittent fasting and cutting out a lot of the empty carbs. And I'm down 11 pounds in 25 days without starving myself because I was like, hey, how can I be a coach and tell these people that they need to take care of their health so that they're primed and ready to show up and start the day early if I've let my health slip a little bit. And so with everything we do, it's like, I say that I want to be a good dad. I say that I want my calendar to reflect the fact that I want to be a good father. And you and I are both part of Front Row Dads, which is really like integral to us merging our business and our family lives. And so about a year ago, I had to completely rearrange my schedule, get up even earlier so I could be gone by 430 several days a week to go to jujitsu with the kids. And that was really important to me to be able to see my daughter practice in the youth class, watch my son who works out with the same coach that I work out and then me do jujitsu in the evening because what kind of horrible father would I be if I was like, go to jujitsu, go to jujitsu. And then I'm not also going with them and going along that same journey, right? Like nothing disgusts me more than the overbearing sports father or sometimes mother who's on the sideline screaming at their kid to run faster in soccer or hit the ball harder. And that parent is morbidly obese. I'm like, how dare you tell your child to be more athletic and do better and you can't even walk up a flight of fucking stairs? Give me a break. I think that being congruent is really important to me. And then being sovereign, that journey can go crazy. You and I know a few people that have the financial means to buy a 30 acre ranch and have their own cattle and have their own well and be completely sovereign and off the grid. But sovereign can also mean, hey man, I've got enough supplies in my house to where if there's an earthquake or a disruption of service or there's a natural disaster, like my family's gonna be safe for a couple of days, right? Like sovereignty can just mean, hey, I'm building a business or a brand or a side hustle, where I'm not dependent on Synergy Mortgage, which is the parent company I work for. I love them, they're great, I hope to work for them till the end of my career, and like I know I need to be sovereign enough, I need to have my own database of clients, I need to have a backup system where if I do something stupid and I get fired, or they do something stupid and the company doesn't exist tomorrow like what happened with Washington Mutual, cool, my business is transferable, I can still make a living over here, take care of my team, take care of my family. So I think finding a way to live in alignment and being congruent with what you say you do and where those actions come through, and that's hard because we're all hypocrites at some level, myself included, and then also, being as sovereign as possible so you know that you and your family and kind of your homestead, whether that's a tiny one-bedroom apartment in LA or whether that's a 40-acre ranch in Dripping Springs, Texas, like your little kingdom is as taken care of as it can be. So those are a couple things I'm passionate about, as you can probably tell.
0: In our worlds, throw around that world of kingdom or king. I know our mutual mentor, Hal Elrod, he recommended a book one time on his Instagram called A King Magician warrior lover, I think is the order, but something like that. And it seems like this idea of being a king, right? Which is someone who makes decisions, who, you know, is responsible for his people, right? There's like a certain level of responsibility. And then you look at what might have been the ideal man, right? I think about the Al Bundy, the Homer Simpson, the family guy that seemed to have been lost and afraid. Like I look at someone like in my dad's generation and it just that sense of having a kingdom, I don't know, seem to miss, at least in the certain, I don't know. What are your thoughts on how that has shifted? And if we're moving into a better place or a different, or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that king, warrior, magician, lover, like rediscovering the archetypes of masculinity, I think is the name of the book. I also read it when Hal recommended it. You have your four male archetypes. You have the just king, You have the warrior and that, I think that kind of bleeds into that phrase, like, would you rather have a warrior in the garden or a gardener in a war? And then the magician, they're the business owner. They can make things happen. They, they know systems and processes. And then obviously the the lover is at some point, you've got to be intimate with your spouse and your kids and what have you. So I, I love that like male archetype. And we actually did a whole podcast on that. Come to think of it with my buddy, G Russell. So yeah, whatever, maybe we can link to that or something, but It's interesting. I don't know whether it's by accident. I don't know whether it's by social construct. I don't know whether it's some grand conspiracy that somebody pulling the puppet strings wants men to be weak. But there was or there still is about this 30 or 40 year arc in Hollywood, in media, in that male archetype where it's the middle class usually Caucasian, usually father, dumb male, right? The Homer Simpson, the Al Bundy, the, uh, the dude who was on King of Queens. They're usually fat. They're always out of shape. They're always a bumbling idiot. Like their only redeeming character is maybe they're fat and funny. But they're always like – there's never like these – what's this show that I'm thinking of? There's never like these happy day moments where the father comes in and gives the wise wisdom and, hey, son, it's going to be okay or let's fix the car together. There's really just this degradation of the male archetype of like we're either just dumb, fat idiots who can't change a light bulb or we're like these crazy, dangerous, sexual predators. Mm. And I'm all about having like movies and – archetypes and whatnot of the strong female, because my favorite movie growing up was Aliens. Like I thought Sigourney Weaver was a complete fucking badass. So I love having the strong female role. And I I loved the whole Hunger Games series and how that all played out and how she was super awesome with a bow and arrow. And that allowed her to negate the physical strength of the male. There's great female stories. And do we have to replace every male superhero with a with a female who's wiser and more adept, it's like male Thor is getting replaced by female Thor. And the Hulk, his whole storyline has just been thrown in the shitter for like female Hulk who's so much more evolved and intelligent. And it's, do we have to get rid of like all the strong men in society? Not saying all of us are gonna be Harrison Ford circa Raiders of the Lost Ark. But can't we have something to look up to in popular culture? And again, I don't know if that's by design or if that's just the direction it's gone. But there really is this attack against masculinity, right? Oh, it's toxic masculinity. Oh, you can't step foot on a college campus without being assaulted by a man. I don't think that's true because there's still a lot of parents who are sending their daughters to college, and if I truly thought that my daughter had a 100% chance of getting sexually assaulted on a college campus, I probably just wouldn't send her to college, right? There's something going on where what's out there in the social zeitgeist is, one, it's sure as hell not serving men, which I think, going back to my original point, why people are searching out the Jocko Willings, the David Goggins, the Joe Rogans, the general mass media is definitely not serving men. And it's definitely not portraying us in any light that would be appealing for an aging generation or young kids, young boys, young girls. So I think it's a little dangerous and I don't know how to fix it other than to counterbalance it with men like us and men that we know in front row dads serving in our family in that masculine role of the king, the warrior, the magician, the lover, because nobody is one of just one of those four archetypes, and we move in and out of them. Yeah, I think we just lead from example at the organic household level, and then maybe one day your kid or my kid will be a screenwriter, and they'll bring some more
0: masculine roles to Hollywood. I had someone, when I reached out, asking them to be on the show, and it was actually someone I didn't have a previous relationship with. They, I told them, hey, the show's called Modern Masculinity, and they said, isn't that sexist? I said, and I didn't really respond or engage too much, but I was wait, what? What do you, no, that's the point of the show. It's like, that's the point because yeah. things have seemed to get so twisted where it's not even, where being a man is some sort, somehow negative. Being manly is somehow negative. And, I, and you're right. I don't know how to fix that other than to tell my four-year-old to be the positive aspects of, of being a man, that the king can go about both ways. He could be a good king or, you know. A negative king, like all those archetypes can go both ways. and I think for too long, the toxic side of it has gotten most notoriety.
1: Problematic. I know. if we just change the terms and somebody was like wanting to interview my wife about like your best femininity, I would never think that's sexist or exclusionary or whatnot. No, there's generalized traits that are more applicable to females. And there's generalized traits that are more applicable to males. And there's tons of crossover and the Venn diagram intersects in a lot of places. There's differences like men are from Mars, women are from Venus or whatever name that book is. And it's true. This is not some crazy theory that we're espousing here that there might be masculine and feminine. And by the way, sometimes when I'm in more of a nurturing mood, or I've, I'm in other areas of my life, I've got a very feminine energy. Sometimes when my wife like, has to get shit done, she's in a very masculine energy. And that's okay. That's just the ebb and flow of like human beings and relationships. And talking about it seems like a good thing versus a sexist negative thing. So I appreciate what you're doing, man.
0: I'm coming for my own answers here, more importantly. And I can imagine that there are a lot of others out there who are looking for this because... Although I find myself watching too many of them, the Andrew Tate's, the challenge with him is the packaging with a lot of those things. It's like the same thing with the Ty Lopez. And it's if it's the same, you're, you're categorizing, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody gets lumped in. And So I think his messaging, there's so many times where you listen to something, and you're like, that makes a ton of sense. But I probably would have said it perhaps a little bit differently. (laughs) And I think that that's what we're trying to do is just to provide that same sort of messaging in in something that's perhaps less abrasive,
1: perhaps. We have a mentor in common, John Vroman, who runs the Front Row Dads Mastermind. And he said something really insightful, and I've equated this to the Andrew Tate stuff or whomever. And John, we were talking in a group setting. He's like, hey, when you're having frustrations with your spouse or your kids or whatever, try to dissect, hey, what am I feeling what's the story I'm telling myself? What am I emotionally amped up with or about versus what would the game tape show? If we just went to the instant replay, if we had high definition cameras all over our house, like an NFL football field, and we just went to the game tape, it's like, well, would the game tape show that Gabriel just forgot to take out the trash? Or would the game tape show that your six-year-old plotted all day long to disrespect you as a father and a man and knew that if he just twisted that knife of leaving the trash by the back door, instead of taking it all the way to the trash can, that would really set his dad on edge. Cause he knew his dad was having a bad day at work. It's like all that shit that we get wrapped up in. It's like, well, the game film just showed that like, he just left the trash at the back door. Like he didn't do all that other stuff that we had in our mind that we worked ourselves into a tizzy. And so what I've been trying to think when I hear something political or I see something from a controversial figure, I'm like, all right, if I was reading this transcript, instead of seeing the message delivered by Andrew Tate or Greta Thunberg, or pick somebody who's on the extreme left or the extreme right, if I was just reading the bullet points on a PDF, what would that say to me? Take away the messenger and just look at the message. And to your point, yeah, maybe I would have said it a little bit differently. But if you take away the messenger and the inflection and the, the shaved head and the manliness or the woe is me, I'm a little kid who's just trying to save the environment. If you took away all the context and you just read the bullet points, you'd be like, oh, does that make sense to me or does it not? What points are good? What points are bad? So I'm taking that game tape film idea from John and trying to equate it, especially when there's stuff that I get all triggered about. I don't believe in minimum wage. I definitely don't believe in universal basic income. But I'm like, all right. If this was just bullet points on the white paper, how would I respond to that? And I'm trying to get better of thinking of things in that context because I think we're better served a lot of times, especially in the modern world, if we can separate the message from the messenger.
0: Mm -hmm. Such great advice in anything because we have all these preconceived notions and all these judgments that we carry along with it. This was a great taste. And Scott, I know that we could, uh, we could rant here for hours. The podcast is exactly that. It's called On The Edge. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and then anywhere else? Actually, I have one quick question before we do that. I got to make sure that we do that because this is the show. Last question is, what does modern masculinity mean to you?
1: Modern masculinity to me is it's a tension, right? There, there's a tension. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use... One of my buddies, Joe. I won't use his last name because I don't know if he want me talking about public in you know, a podcast. Joe and I have a lot of political debates, a lot. And he was born and raised Republican, went far left liberal when he moved to California, and now he's like very much centric. He's probably more of a socialist, but not like a crazy communist. And we just have great arguments. And he goes, I have so many friends that are card-carrying Republicans. And I have so many friends that are card-carrying Democrats. And he's like, my life goal, he's older, He, my last 20 years that I have on this planet, mm-hmm. is to convey to my staunch Republican friends that, hey man, if you're born as a middle-class white male in America, in this day and age, you've got a bit of an advantage, right? Call it whatever you want, but like you were born with kind of a leg up. He's like, I want to convince my Republican friends that's just factual in society. And I want to convince my Democrat car carrying friends, my liberal friends, that's true. And they don't have to feel shameful about it. And there's really not a lot that we can blame on them for being that person because that's how they were born. And so there's this interesting tension there. So, when you say, when you ask the question, I was looking at the show notes for some of your other shows, like, what is modern masculinity? There's this tension there where I want to explain to people that, hey, there are differences between the sexes. There are things that I think masculine males should be doing to make themselves, their family, and society a better, safer place. And I understand that for a lot of people that comes with some baggage, right? And maybe people do have this archetype in their mind of toxic masculinity or whatnot. So to me, modern masculinity is like leaning into that, that masculine, leaning into that ability to be a provider and be the warrior in the garden when that needs to happen. But also knowing that's gonna be a challenge for some people and it's our job To have those conversations instead of be dismissive of them. Like I can be, and again, this is this tension. Like I can be in a more traditional marriage where I'm the breadwinner. My wife stays home, handles the household, handles the kids, and we're super blessed in that way. And I, it's my job in that modern masculine framework to let people know that just because we have that more traditional marriage, that doesn't mean I think Women should be barefoot and pregnant and seen, not heard in the kitchen. Nothing could be farther from the truth. A bunch of my top referral partners are these badass pipe-hitting female realtors who are like alpha females. Dude, all the power in the world for them to want to do that. And if at some point they change their mind and they're like, hey, I, I want to stay home and, and pour into my like motherly nurturing side to my kids – That's okay too, right? There's no shame in your game either way. So I think modern masculinity is like, hey, I'm going to be a dude. I'm going to be a bro. I'm going to be an alpha male. I want to go to jujitsu and roll around with other dudes and try to snap their neck. And I want to shoot guns and I want to be able to protect my family. And I want to be able to drink beer and watch football. And sometimes I'm going to need to explain that behavior to other modern members of society. And both of those are okay.
0: This is fantastic, um, guys. The podcast is on the edge, and uh, you are a couple hundred episodes in. Uh,
1: yeah, coming? yeah. I think we we passed 100 episodes last year, and we're like for the first time ever, we're like 10 episodes ahead. So I think we're approaching 140, 150, and it's run the gamut on who we've interviewed. Man, from business influer influencers to authors to One of my favorite liberal realtors who we just, we went at it. It's just, it's just long form conversation, man. It all stemmed from the fact that I smoke so many cigars and I'd be at these cigar lounges, having a two or three hour smoke, sitting with somebody like you, we'd have this great conversation. I'm like, dude, how did we not get that down on tape? So now it's just become an excuse once a week to have a long cigar with a friend, have a conversation. It's on the edge podcast with Scott Groves. You can find it anywhere where podcasts are. And then we'll put a link to my link tree, which has everything our mortgage business, our coaching business, the book that I wrote, the podcast, all the social media. I'll just give you that link tree. And it's just link tree forward slash Scott L as in loser or lover, depending on which one you think. Scott L Groves. So everywhere on social, you can find me Scott L as in lover Groves.
0: Leader. How about leader? Leader. I I like leader. I'm going to use that one. I told my son today because when they get in the car, my, my daughter, is a, she falls off of my wife's tree. And so I tell her to be calm and kind because that's what she needs to take with her. And my son, I tell him to be a lover and a leader. And yeah, yeah we've, got
1: our, we've got our little affirmations for our kids as well. Like when we drop them off at school, we're like our little family ethos is be good, have fun, listen, try hard. And then if we're going to school, it's like do one drawer because they have these drawers of letters and numbers and phonics and stuff. And then we're if we're at jujitsu, it's have fun, be good, listen, try hard, and sprawl your hips. And so depending <laughs> on where we're going, we've got different add-ons. But our four kind of ethos are have fun, be good, try hard, listen. So those are the fun ones.
0: Yeah, I love it. Great to leave you with. Guys, thank you for sticking with us today and being part of the Modern Masculinity family. And we appreciate you being here. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.